I'm I'm quite quite taken by City. Uh, he is he's my pick in here. I'm very hopeful to bet him to win unless he goes off at some kind of a stupid price. But I think he's got a big chance in here. And also gaining is City Man. Scuttlebuzz will be forced widest of all. The field is coming into the stretch. Here comes Get Smoking. Here comes a tone. A tone and gets smoking and putting in a late run here is City Man. Public sector is on the extreme outside. So it is City Man who has come away with the lead. It is the New York bred City Man who spurts clear at the end. One by three and a half lengths. When anyone on tour goes on a heater, because some guys do it more often than others, in a round, meaning stringing together birdies, I don't know that there's anyone that can do it and and go like fire hot like Cam Smith can. I I think this could be a, a spot for him, and he's a fair price in my opinion. I like Cam Smith to win the Open Championship, get his first major of his career. All of a sudden, he's seven under on the round today. He shot 64 on Friday. We knew the fireworks were coming once they got past that ninth hole, but boy, he has set them all off at the same time. And with a score of 268, the winner of the gold medal and the champion golfer of the year is Cameron Smith. You gotta know there'd be a little bit of peacocking on this week's show. Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show. Part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, July the 18th, 2022. It's episode 123 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also watch and listen over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernier Show. You will get this episode along with the 122 prior. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe. And if you're over on YouTube, make sure the bell icon is lit up. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. Yeah, look, big weekend. Uh, and a banner week for this pod as far as selections are concerned. The Skylerville mm, didn't work out so well. But uh, City Man comes through in the Forbidden Apple. Cam Smith comes through in the Open. Uh, and, and even the late week show, I didn't include it because I just wanted to go based off of this show. But in the late week pod... The In the Money Players pod uh, gave out uh, most strike in the Sanford, and I believe he paid sixteen or eighteen dollars. So good weekend all around. Good opening weekend for me at Saratoga, playing in a contest, off to a hot start, feeling good, feeling good. And there's really no better time than now to try to get hot, to try to be Cam Smith on the back nine, to shoot thirty and go and win a major. Uh, it is Haskell week. So looking forward to it. It's going to be a big. Big Saturday of racing down at Monmouth Park. And before we dive into that and other things, including a stakes race that will handicap from Saratoga on Friday, we have many friends this week as far as the sponsorship element is concerned. Let's begin with Breeders' Cup. As the summer heat starts rolling in, July brings us another Breeders' Cup Challenge Series. Win and you're in race with the TVG.com Haskell Stakes for three-year-olds. Tune in Saturday, July 23rd. With live coverage starting at 5 o'clock Eastern on CNBC, I will be down there. I'm looking forward to it. It sounds like, guess what? Churchill Downs was hot when we were down there for the Stephen Foster. I think it might be hotter at Monmouth on Saturday. I'm seeing feel, real feel temperatures of 103. So it would be another sweaty one, but we're looking forward to it, and I think the field is great. We'll dive into that more in a bit. But back to the Breeders' Cup win in your in series. 
$150,000 in entry fees paid by the Breeders' Cup to the winner. $10,000 award to nominator. $10,000 travel allowance for horses stabled outside of Kentucky. And automatic entry into the $6 million Longines Breeders' Cup Classic on November 5th at Keeneland Racecourse in Lexington, Kentucky. Again, Saturday, July 23rd, this coming Saturday. 5 Eastern on CNBC. It is the Breeders' Cup Challenge Series winning you're in the Haskell for three-year-olds. Our friends at Woodbine, as we continue partnering with our friends north of the border at Woodbine, more is coming on the docket as the $500,000 Woodbine Oaks for three-year-old fillies is scheduled for July 24th. That is Sunday. Additionally, in preparation of the $1 million Queen's Plate on August 21st, the plate trial stakes for three-year-olds also takes place on July the 24th. For more information, please go to www.woodbine.com as we roll along down the page. Let's go to our friends at BetMakers. Fixed Odds Betting, powered by BetMakers, is back and in effect at Monmouth Park, and the early returns are fantastic, with 70% of winners paying more on fixed odds than they are on the tote board. Soon, fixed odds wagering will be available throughout the state of New Jersey. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. The odds you bet are the odds you get. You will continue to hear more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In The Money media network. And last but certainly not least, our friends at Adelphi. Adelphi is a racing club of like-minded people who enjoy horse racing and the camaraderie of being a part of something bigger than themselves. It is a true community. Adelphi's founding partners have all owned horses and other partnerships and syndicates as well as on their own. And the overarching goal with Adelphi is to blend the benefits of solo ownership without the administrative hassle with the thrill of the partnership experience. Adelphi partners enjoy a truly unique interactive ownership experience with direct one-to-one access to all members of the team. Adelphi also offers a fiscally sustainable approach to horse ownership through its patient mid-market acquisition strategy, uh, making yearling purchases in the $75,000 to $150,000 range, which offers partners a chance to compete at the highest levels of the game while doing so in a responsible manner and allowing for long-term participation in the sport. Adelphi has very limited shares remaining. A couple of two-year-old prospects, including a New York bred by the Red Hot Sire Lauban named Gem Mint 10, who has already shipped to trainer Ray Handel's barn down at Belmont Park. Nicole has done nothing wrong since arriving in New York, and he is on target to make a debut at Saratoga, hopefully. And Delphi also has limited shares remaining in a taproot colt named Magistrate, who is currently training at Kinsman Farm in Ocala and will be shipping up to Christoph Clement's barn some point this spring, early summer. This colt was bred and built to run all day long and is an exciting classic distance prospect for the summer and the fall. Join the club. Here are the ways to get in touch. Website, AdelphiRacing.com. Email, Matt at AdelphiRacing.com. And on social media, Instagram at Adelphi underscore racing. And on Twitter at Adelphi Club. Thank you again to our sponsors. As always, we really greatly appreciate it. And those of you listening or watching, please take part in whatever is being offered out there, whether it's visual, whether it's gambling, whether it's ownership. These are all great people, great partners within the money media. And uh, we're very, very lucky. And, And again, we are unable to do anything without you, the listener, you the viewers so uh, that's why we always talk about thumbs up thumbs down all that sort of stuff interactions leaving comments beneath the video player on youtube because our sponsors enjoy that as well so uh as far as today's show is concerned two things two big things anyway alluded to it before winning you're in on saturday down at monmouth park it's the haskell stakes i think it's a great great field we're gonna have some returners we're gonna have some horses we've seen some we haven't seen in a little while some doing things for the first time 
we have a return of a trainer. I mean, there's, there's a lot of a lot of things going on, and we're going to dive into an early look anyway at the field of probables. I've gone through, as I've done in the past, clipped out each horse's individual PPs. I'll throw them up on the screen if you're watching or listening. I'll just do my best to try to verbalize everything. Go through them, point out some pros, some cons, maybe the complexion of the race, how things could look, and how these horses could fare at a mile and an eighth for those that have not tried it. And obviously, we're speaking specifically of one uh, who will be the favorite, I would assume. Uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit more in time. And... Because so many people enjoyed it last week, and hey, look, we had a little bit of success with it as well. We're going to handicap a stakes race from Saratoga. I know there are stakes on Wednesday and Thursday, but Friday is a graded stakes race. The Lake George for three-year-old fillies, we're going to dive into that one. Again, I've marked up my PPs. I've got trip notes in there. We'll throw those up. Uh, And last week, there wasn't a ton as far as folks leaving their suggestions as far as plays are concerned. I would encourage everybody, get involved. Beneath the video player on YouTube, let me know who you like in both of these races that I'm going to talk about here. As far as recaps are concerned, I know some folks have brought that up that they enjoy hearing thoughts about some of the performances. Um, I mean, look, this past weekend, I was more or less locked into golf. Yes, I was paying attention to Saratoga, but uh, most of my time was devoted to that. And, you know, the performances we saw, I thought, in Italian, I don't really know where it came from. Um, she's always been a good horse, but I, I don't didn't think that was going to come. Um, Rougier, who I liked, I made a case for her in the Diana. I have a funny feeling, and Chad had even mentioned it in the some story over on DRF, uh, must have been with Dave Grenning, about the idea that perhaps the turf at Belmont in the New York was too firm for her liking. The turf at Saratoga sure as hell seems firm. I wonder if she's going to be a filly that is going to really look dirtied up, but for what they paid for her, and the likelihood of getting some softer turf in the fall, specifically, possibly Lexington, Kentucky in November, just throwing it out there, I still think there's a chance that she can get back to it. But point blank, right now, she's just not among Chad's best. And it did make me think a little bit, uh, I'm going off on a tangent here, but typically when Chad Brown has a boss in his barn, Phillies or the boys, that one is the one, and nobody beats them. Whether it's Bricks and Mortar, whether it's Lady Eli, whether it's Rushing Fall, I mean, he's had a million of them. So when they're taking turns, the Phillies specifically, the Phillies and Mares, when they keep taking turns beating one another, perhaps with the exception of Regal Glory, maybe I just answered my own question, maybe she is actually the boss. But the Phillies and Mares that we saw in the Diana, they've sort of taken turns beating one another, and it makes me wonder... Well, I mean, the problem is you, you can't leave any of them out if they're all going to run in the same race. But aside from Regal Glory, I mean, who knows? Uh, you know, uh, your guess is as good as mine, which one of them is actually the best. An Italian has won and lost. Bleecker Street finally lost, but she had won seven in a row. Rougier, they paid a boatload of cash for. She looked brilliant in one race. She's looked terrible in two others. Uh, I, t- technical analysis, I don't know. Fine, I guess. Maybe it is Regal Glory. And it's as simple as that, but um, fascinating result there. Uh, Most Strike, I thought he was really good again. He's a gutsy, tough horse, and I like that. And I also like the fact that it feels like he wants to go longer. Uh, so I think Cox and Giroux, I think they've got a good one there. Um, you know, all things considered, we saw City Man there at the top of the show. By the way, all those clips are from YouTube. You can find those all out there. Um, you know, I, I thought he was really, really good. And it, basically, he got back to... That dangerous hour that I had 
alluded to and said if, if he runs that, he's got a big chance. And I think that's basically what he did. Granted, he was a little bit farther back, but I thought it was a big effort, and there's no reason to think that he won't be a player in a race like the four-star Dave if they go there. Um, beyond that, yeah, I mean, I thought opening weekend was great. Had some good results, had some not-so-good results, but uh, looking forward to keeping the meat rolling along. It's a little bit odd. You know, the Mondays, I know it's been a while since they're, you know, they have run on a Monday, but um, this always just used to be a day where, all right, great, we're going to decompress a little bit, but we still got nine from the spa. And now that that's not the case anymore, it feels a little empty looking around like, well, well now what am I, I got to wait till Wednesday for Saratoga? But anyway, neither here nor there, just some fun fodder. Uh, let's talk about racing coming up in the future. We're going to start with the Haskell. And then we'll transition into the Friday race. So Saturday 1st, Friday 2nd, I get it. Uh, leave your thoughts about these two races beneath the video player on YouTube. I'm going to go runner by runner in each of them. First, the probables for Saturday's Haskell Stakes from Monmouth Park. We are working off of a field of probables for Saturday's Haskell Stakes, the TVG.com Haskell Stakes. I, I really do think it's a strong, strong field. There are many questions, but... I think all things considered, for a race like this, and knowing it's never ever been good timing that the Jim Dandy has run the same day. So you're you're splitting up the, the three-year-olds. I mean, if you put the three-year-olds and the Jim Dandy along with these three-year-olds, you would have the race of the year. Uh, even better than the Kentucky Derby, because some of the horses that are going to be running in these two races didn't run, didn't run in the Derby. But it's still a really good race. It's a grade one. It's a million-dollar purse, and there are at least two, if not three, possibly four, three-year-olds that with big performances here will be among the favorites for the Travers at the end of the meet at Saratoga, will be among the favorites for the Pennsylvania Derby at Parks in September, and presumably, with continued good form and good health, could be among the choices for the Breeders' Cup Classic. This is in no particular order. The names that I'm going to go through, starting with Benevengo uh, for Jesus Cruz. This is probably going to be the one that sounds like disrespect, and I don't mean it to. He seems very difficult for me to see emerging victorious from this race. He does enjoy Monmouth Park. Uh, his most recent run in that N1X, he goes off and wins rather comfortably, as you can see. I've included underneath, I've gone back to the Timeform US charts because... Doing things this way, you're unable to see the most recent Timeform U.S. figs. Um, the the 106 not including, not factoring in the pace scenario, uh, that jives perfectly with the 86 buyer speed figure. It's just not fast enough to truly look at this horse and think that he's a contender in here. It is nice to see these horses over here on the far side, if I could get the pen to work. Uh, you know, the fig has more or less held up. Third place finisher came back and earned... A 77. Fifth place finisher came back and earned a 63. Sixth, an 81 from a 51 in that victory from Benevengo. But a combination of things, running style, figs, class, I think Benevengo is up against it in the big picture. Cyberknife, a horse that I've never loved, but I will tell you, more and more intrigued with him. I still think he's a little green, but he's putting it together. He was a little bit headstrong. In that most recent start, that was the Matt win at Churchill Downs. Here is my trip note that I took for that race, specifically for the Matt win. Out of the gate, clean front side, stalked 5-6 path. First turn, stalked 4-5 path. Back stretch, he was under a hard hole 
from Florent Giroux. Two three paths out, stalked in the clear, looking good, loomed on the far turn. Two three path in the clear comfortably. It was floated wide by Howling Time, who we'll talk about in a bit. And at the top of the lane, it looked like Cyberknife should just go on and win for fun, but to Howling Time's credit, battled back gamely. The two of them come together and bump, and it was the dirtiest nose. The dirtiest nose, if you had Howling Time. But Cyberknife gets his nose down and wins. I thought it was a gutsy effort from both of the top two finishers in that spot, who we'll see in this race. And more importantly, granted there have only been three to come back so far, but all three horses that finished behind Cyberknife and Howling Time have come back to improve their buyer speed figures by at least seven points in their next start, including Rattle and Roll, the third place finisher, who was a next out winner with a 91 buyer. The fourth place finisher earned a 72 in the Matt win, comes back and earns an 80 in his next start. And the seventh place finisher earned a 53 buyer in this race. He comes back and earns a 64 in his next start. The rattle and roll number is the most intriguing one to me because these two horses were six clear of rattle and roll, who comes back and earns a 91 in his next start. Now, rattle and roll, say what you will, he is probably a notch below, but... And he needed the sort of confidence booster that he got on the Foster undercard. But for him to jump up, and more importantly, the other two horses to jump up eight and nine, or excuse me, eight and 11 points on the buyer scale, I, I don't want to just assume that that 94 should be upgraded. But I do wonder if you can project something in the low 100 range for Cyberknife in this race. We'll talk about Howling Time in a minute. I'm not as bullish on his chances, but I think there's a chance that Cyberknife moves up into that low 100 buyer speed figure range, and if he does, that at least makes him a, a legitimate candidate to win this race. The 94 is not going to get it done, but part of me doesn't totally buy that. Part of me thinks, and not, I should, let me rephrase that. I think the 94, the fig is legitimate. There was another mile and 16th race earlier on the card that day on June 12th at Churchill Downs. Based on the times, the figs all jive. But with the horses coming back and improving the way they have, I think it's fair to think that Cyberknife could move up into that low 100 range. Say he follows that trend of at least seven point improvement. That gets him to a 101. I think that makes him very, very intriguing in a spot like this. As likely the, what? Third choice, probably somewhere around nine to two would be my guess, four to one. Cyberknife's interesting. The thing I'm not sure about, and this goes for the entire race, but specifically a horse like Cyberknife. In that Matt win, some of his pace figs here, 107, 108, 114, 116, 116. Uh, PTF, I believe, would call it an upline where he basically ran faster at every call. That's a bit of an anomaly compared to his prior figs, pace figs anyway. You know, we're talking about a horse that runs 158s, 138s, 128s, 129s, 121s. This is a race that is not void of speed. And I'll be very curious. I, I think there's a, a very good chance, if you like Cyberknife, and I'm not going to give an official selection here because I still want to consult HTR's equipment and that won't come in until Friday afternoon. But this race, let me try this again. 
I think there's a real chance that Cyberknife works out that trip right there. For those of you listening, I've just spot-shadowed the Arkansas Derby. Two lengths off of a fast pace, kicks away, wins nicely. The 92 buyer's not fast enough. The 111 time form U.S. rating's not fast enough. But if you think he can pull that trip and jump up into the low 100 range, I think Cyberknife becomes an interesting alternative to the top two in here. Now, Howling Time, I mentioned I'm not as keen on him coming out of that Matt win. I'm sure you could ask why. They were only separated by a nose and a dirty nose at that. Howling Time, I've highlighted his Churchill Downs races versus his two races away outside of Louisville. And I don't know if the two runs away from Louisville are simply anomalies, but for him to run as well as he has in four of his five starts at Churchill Downs and run as dreadfully as he did at Gulfstream and Keeneland, I'm inclined to think that there may be something there. And more importantly, he is a speed horse, I think anyway, that his only chance of winning is going. And I don't think his fastball is as good as some of the other fastballs in here. Now, he's a key to the race because if for whatever reason they do not go with him, we, we could have an issue. All of a sudden, that pace doesn't materialize. Some of the horses trying to rally from off of it a little bit. Their chances are compromised. Maybe the speed holds. But if howling time goes, and I believe the only way he truly can win, if they're trying to win, is to be aggressively ridden out of there and probably run faster than he's ever run early on. I think that's the only way he can win, and I don't love that recipe for him. So howling time would be a fade for me in this spot. That's not a brilliant analysis because he is, you know, for being honest, he's what? Probably the fifth or sixth choice in a field of seven right now. So howling time, not for me in here, but plays a key role. Jack Christopher. Jack Christopher is fascinating for many reasons. First things first, purely on figs, he's the horse to beat. That Woody Stevens was brilliant. His Pat Day Mile, I thought, was brilliant. His Champagne was brilliant. His Maiden score was brilliant. He's done nothing wrong in four lifetime starts. The concern that I have, I've always had, is this right here. Munnings out of a half hours. I mean, it does not scream mile and an eighth. I guess if you're going to get a mile and an eighth, maybe it's at Monmouth Park. Also, I don't know if you want to view it, if you want to read into any of it. Early voting was initially pointed for this race along with Jack Christopher. He has been audibled up to Saratoga to run in the Jim Dandy. You know, does that mean, is it a vote of confidence for Jack Christopher? I, I don't know. Is it a race shape sort of thing that the last thing Chad wants is for his two big charges to kind of duel each other, knowing that up at Saratoga, Zandon's not a horse that has a ton of early foot? I don't know. But Jack Christopher, the, the only the only question with Jack Christopher is his ability to get nine furlongs. Because the talent is abundant. It's just, how far does he want to go? And if for whatever reason he can't get the distance, well, it doesn't really make a difference how good he is. 
So for me, with Jack Christopher, you, I'm trying to think of the right way of putting this. It's not to say that the only way that you can or can't like him is, do you think he can get nine or not? Because there are other good horses in this race. But I do think, based on his running style, where he figures to be forward, he doesn't have to have the lead, though. If you think howling time goes, if you think at least one other horse goes as far as speed is concerned, Although, you know, you take a look at some of the other runners in here. I, I don't know. I mean, we'll get to We the People in a minute, but Jack Christopher could be controlling speed if they really wanted it. He He's still an unknown for me. It's still a, a, a tough call just simply because he's going to be a short price. He'll be the favorite. We'll get to Taba in a second. I can't imagine Taba will be the favorite. We the People won't be the favorite despite being the favorite in, or uh, one of the choices in the Belmont. And Cyberknife won't be the favorite. It's Jack Christopher or Taba, and I really think it's Jack Christopher. Never been higher than, you know, eight to five in his career. Boy, short number to take on a horse that there's no guarantee that he can go two turns. But I will say, he has that, that wow factor when you watch him run. He's got it. We've seen other horses that have that wow factor that, based on breeding, shouldn't go a step past six. And they can go ten furlongs. Maybe Jack Christopher fits into that group as well. I have nothing brilliant really to add about him. If he can get the distance, he is a likely winner of this race. A horse I have no concern about the distance with is Taba. Now, I picked Taba in the Kentucky Derby purely on the idea that I thought he was the fastest horse going into it on figs. Yeah, he was inexperienced, but I didn't care. I said, look, if that's the thing that gets him beat, that gets him beat. But I would have felt silly if on Saturday night, the fastest horse going into the race wins and pays $14. So I went with Taba. He didn't get it done. Did he run poorly? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't particularly good. I didn't like the, the no lead change piece, but boy, he went very, very fast in a stampede of other horses and he was in Yachtin's barn. And despite what these PPs say right here, that ain't the case anymore. He is back with Baffert. And that is no small piece, I think. Bob Baffert has a tremendous record at Monmouth Park. And considering this is really going to be his first big appearance outside of California after... The suspension. Uh, this horse is not shipping there if he is not sitting on tilt, ready to go and run a hole in the wind. Now, I watched his most recent workout and I thought it was dreadful. Granted, he's never been a good workhorse. But his work prior out of the gate, albeit against a far inferior talent, I thought was spectacular. So, you know, if you... I. I some people read more into workouts than others. I'm not going to sit here and try to decipher something that, you know, other people are better at than I am as far as analyzing workouts. I'm just telling you, when I watched that work two back out of the gate, I said, that that's the kind of work that can win the Haskell. The most recent work I looked at it and I said, he, he might run fifth. But knowing he's never been a brilliant workhorse, he's back with Baffert. Smith retains the mount. And if the pace heats up, I know he can pass horses. Maybe that Santa Anita Derby wasn't brilliant. 
But the top three finishers, if you're drawing your conclusions based on their next starts, you shouldn't because they were all in the Kentucky Derby. And two of them were close to the pace, Messier and Taba. Happy Jack is Happy Jack. No disrespect. The fourth place finisher came back and won his next start, and then he came back and earned a 92 in the Preakness. That was Armagnac. Not a great effort from that horse, but again, probably wasn't that good to begin with and was in Yachtin's barn at the time. I, be- I still believe in this horse. For him to do what he did in such a short amount of time, this is uncommon. To go from six, breaking your maiden, earning that kind of fig, to wheeling right back and doing something totally different. Taking out winners, routing, and sitting well off the pace, and still going and winning for fun, and earning another triple digit. I still believe in him. If he throws in a complete dud, on Saturday. Then I'll sit here and say, okay, you know what? Maybe he was a flash in the pan and he's not that good. Baffert, there was, I believe, a quote in, the, in a Blood Horse article a few days ago saying something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing here, I usually bring my best to the Haskell, and it's no different this year. I cannot imagine this horse is not ready to roll. If they're going to ship him across the country and it's Baffert's first time back on the big, big stage... I I cannot imagine him not being cranked up and ready to run a hole in the wind. I think if if you're doubting Taba from an ability standpoint, I think that's a mistake. If you want to doubt him for all the other circumstances and things going on, that's entirely up to you. I'm looking at it the opposite way. That Bob's back and he wants to go out there and prove a point. I think Taba is going to run big on Saturday. Whether I pick him or not, we'll find out. And I think he's going to be the second choice in the race, which is a whole other piece to consider. We the people. We the people, you you can go one of two ways on, in my opinion. Earns a 103 buyer in the Peter Pan, comes back, earns a 90 in the Belmont, fades to finish, well beaten fourth. Timeform US suggests he effectively ran the same race in the Belmont that he did in the Peter Pan. And that creates a rather large sort of conundrum from a handicapping standpoint. Because if he ran back to the Peter Pan based on Timeform's numbers, including the pace figs that he earned in the Belmont, he is among the fastest in the field. And he is among the fastest routing in the field from a pace standpoint, which all make him a major threat. But if you believe the buyer... He has one race on his page that's good enough to win this race. And it's the Peter Pan, which happened to be over a sloppy track. I'm inclined to lean more to the Belmont fig from a time form standpoint. Or excuse me, from a buyer standpoint. Just because I find it so hard to believe that he ran the same race he ran in the Peter Pan, yet was beaten by seven lengths. That, that to me... Is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? In my opinion, no. He plays a very important point. Uh, try that again. He plays a very important... I can't even speak. An important role. Good grief. In Saturday's race, in that he is genuine speed. When they've tried to take him off, and I know he broke his maiden sitting just off, his game is speed. you got to break and go with him. Regardless of what you think about his final figs and his ability, the fact that he is going to be forward, along with Howling Time, 
possibly with Jack Christopher. That just adds to the pace scenario of the race. Now, I pulled these probables from Horse Racing Nation. We the People was listed as possible. Everyone else was listed as probable. I don't know if... I don't know what the sort of wait and see is going to be for this horse. But if he goes, the one thing you can, I would say, guarantee is that the pace is going to be honest. If he doesn't go, then it gets very muddy real quick. But we the people, he's not my cup of tea. I need him to prove that he is this good against this caliber of company without having the benefit of a soft pace on a wet track. And last but not least is White Abario. Now, I've never been the biggest fan of White Abario. I was on record saying multiple times that I thought these two Gulfstream races at the figs were way too high. Timeform US would bear that out as well. You take a look and see. 109, 108, verse 96 and 97. I mean, if you side with the Timeform figs, you're looking at an 89 and an 88. Which I think is, if we're being honest, I mean, you tell me. If all of a sudden, this is an 89... And this is an 88, and we block out these. Doesn't that look about right? 81, 81, 80, 89, or excuse me, 88, 89, 73, 90. That looks a lot more reasonable than this, does it not? Or if you just want to say he loves Gulfstream Park, which really is not a bold statement considering he's run there one, two, three, four times. And he has one, two, three, four victories. So the point is, I don't know that I look at him and think he's a major player in this race. Maybe for underneath purposes. He was forward chasing a hot pace in the Ohio Derby at Thistledown last out. And based on some of his pace figs, he is the kind of horse that can be pretty close. So he could be another one that's up in that vanguard cutting out the fractions. And if all of a sudden this thing for a half mile is 46 and three, Jack Christopher's feeling some pressure. He's got to go an extra furlong compared to his longest distance to date. And he's got to navigate a second turn. Howling time, maybe he is, maybe he isn't good enough. White Abarrio's forward. The distance won't be the problem, but is he this good? Taba, if you believe the Santa Anita Derby, he's got a big chance. If you believe the Kentucky Derby, well, he's a takeout sort of reducer. Maybe that leaves you with Cyberknife, who continues to improve with racing. I just think it's a really good field. I don't have a super strong opinion one way or the other at this point right now. Um, I am going to be curious to see what that other piece of information that I, I weighed on for Friday says. But I'm looking forward to this race. I think it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic Haskell. Uh, the winner, it's a win and you're in for the Breeders' Cup Classic. I think it's a very talented group. Wouldn't surprise me if any one of three, three big players anyway, Cyberknife, Jack Christopher, Taba. Wouldn't surprise me if any one of those three won. We the People would surprise me a little bit. White Abario would as well. And certainly the others would surprise if they were to get the job done. Still have time. Let me know what your thoughts are about the probables, the potential field for Saturday's Haskell beneath the video player on YouTube. Now, let's transition to Friday. Up at Saratoga, three-year-old fillies going a mile in the Lake George. Friday's feature at the spa, one mile on the inner turf. It's the grade three Lake George for three-year-old fillies. Uh, good field. Interesting field. I think there are horses you can make cases for maybe 
some more so than others, but you've got pedigrees in here. You've got fillies that have run fast but need to prove they can do it on different surfaces. From a pace standpoint, the race is a little bit murky. Uh, really interesting race. I like a price in here. Uh, we're going to take them right in post position order, though. First things first, up at the top, as you can see, this is the Timeform US pace projector. I write this in uh, to any race that I go through in handicap. No sort of blue or red bar indicating that it favors one running style versus another, but the number one Republique is expected to be out on the lead for Safi Joseph. He's got two in here. This one is by strong mandate. She is a half to Rombauer. She's a homebred uh, for the Fradkins, and we know what Rombauer was capable of on his best day. I don't know that this filly is quite of that level, but I'm drawing a line through that Delaware Oaks in her most recent start. That was her first try on dirt. The run prior, first time routing on synthetic, thought she was good. Thought it was a nice effort. You can see my trip note, bottom right-hand side of the past performances. Hopped at the start. She was forward between horses. She stalked. Uh, she pressured the pace under a snug hold. Eventually, kicked on. Great trip. Nice effort. No complaints. She's paired up 82s. Again, excusing the Delaware Oaks. I think that means that she is sitting on a forward move. If she figures to be forward beneath John Velasquez, and let's say she moves up to a 90, yeah, she's in with a chance here to upset things, and I would imagine she's going to be a pretty fair price. The two is Heavenly Hellos, uh, coming in from a stakes victory at Indianapolis, Horseshoe Indianapolis. Uh, that was middle May. Haven't seen her since. Don't love that. As you can see down here as well, as far as the workout tab is concerned, we have giant, giant gap. Came back and worked on June 24th, and then not again until July 16th. Uh, that is a major red flag for me. The figs are light. She did rally into a slower pace. She was wide throughout. But boy, that performance is going to need to take a significant step forward, I think, for her to get the job done against this caliber of Philly up at Saratoga. And the Lasix comes off. Uh, Al Cahira for Bill Mott, Jose Ortiz. The maiden score at Churchill Downs on May 4th, I, I didn't think was particularly strong. You take a look and see every horse that has come back to run. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. They've all regressed on the buyer speed figure scale. That to me is a red flag. It's a concern because she wasn't overly fast to begin with. She can't afford for that 78 to be a bit on the inflated side. She needs to actually move forward to have a chance, not go backwards. Uh, Al Kahira, she's just not my cup of tea in a spot like this. Uh, she does have nice tactical speed, figures to be forwardly placed, but I just don't love her chances here. Koala Princess for Arno Delacour. Trevor McCarthy has the mount. Last time we saw this one, she was the favorite in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly in Mare Turf. What am I saying? Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly's Turf. They can't be mares. That's illegal. Uh, 9-2 to favorite out of Delmar last November. Haven't seen her since. Now, certainly you can look at that and say she's probably going to need one off the bench, but she won for fun in her career debut, fresh. And Delacour's numbers, I know the, the raw number that a lot of people are going to look at is this one down here. 180 days or greater, 45% from a uh, 22 sample size. I'm more interested in a number like this. Past four years, 250-day layoff or greater in turf routes, which is what we're dealing with here. Eight for 32, 17 in the money with a $1.83 ROI. Still strong numbers, but I, I do wonder... This, to me, there are a couple things. She needs to prove that she can win routing. She's yet to do that. I know she's only had one chance to do so, but she only she hasn't done it yet. And I think she's catching a good field. 
to the point where she'll need to run a career best. And is she capable of doing that? Of course. But part of me says, you know what? Let's sit and watch one, despite the fact that Delacour typically has him ready to roll. Dolce Zell, one of two in here for Chad Brown. Of the two, this is the one I prefer. I think she's arguably the most likely winner of the race. I'm debating. We'll wait and see what David Aragona's morning line says or suggests. I'm debating picking her or another horse. She is not the price that I was alluding to at the top. Uh, we'll get to her in a bit. But Dolce Zell, I, I think that Edgewood, you'll see this little note that I have over here in the side, TO2. Uh, if you read uh, Mike Maloney's book that PTF co-wrote, um, he he brings up the idea of biases and you can sort of, your, your shorthand can be... Uh, indicating does speed do well did closers do well inside versus outside that sort of thing i have on the turf outside being advantageous and if you take a look at this trip note for those of you that are watching along for those of you that are listening i'll read it um forward two path uh settled one two path mid pack one two path pocketed up uh loaded two path split finished well Clear too late, better than looks. Moved into hot pace and was down on the worst part of the racetrack. I think that Edgewood is much better than the paid would indicate. I, I think there's a chance that she takes a pretty significant step forward here and gets back something closer to that Appalachian two back at Keeneland where she ran a good, good second to Spenderella who went over to Royal Ascot and acquitted herself very well. Dolce Zell to me is, is the most likely winner of this race. Uh, again, it just depends what kind of price we're going to be looking at with her. You know, if she's somewhere in that three to one range, I, I you know, I haven't priced the whole race out just yet, but I, I could see that being reasonably fair. Three to one, seven to two, anything shorter than that, we're getting a little bit on the narrow side, but I think Dolce Zell has a big chance to win this race. Eminent Victor. I'm sure some folks will think that she is the more likely of the Chads to win this race, but, uh, I don't know. I just, when I went back and watched the tape of the wild applause, you can see, and again, I'll read it back. Uh, well behind a hot pace, one, two path patiently, uh, toward rear patiently, one, two path, began warming up, tipped out four, five path between, finished gamely. Uh, the gallop out was decent. She got a great setup and visually I thought she was eh. Fig wise, she's the horse to beat. This early, I'm not, you know, all in on the fig. I think there's a lot of room for sort of movement up or down. I want to see her do it against better horses, a bigger field. And again, it'd be one thing if I thought she finished brilliantly. I didn't. I thought she had a pretty good setup and she she was game, give her that. But I don't know. I, I expected more. And of the two Chads, I much prefer Dolce Zell compared to Eminent Victor. Uh, the other Safi Joseph in here is Sister Luann. Paired up by her tops of 77. I think we'll get a forward move. The concern is, is it a forward move enough to warrant consideration? Uh, that Martha Washington at a mile and a 16th on the turf at Gulfstream. I, I thought she ran not odd, but I'm someone who, when I'm watching tape, I'm very interested to see how they're doing it. What do they look like? This filly had her ears pinned back from the top of the lane all the way through the wire. And when I say pinned back, I mean pinned back. And considering the way the race played out, thought she was setting relatively comfortable fractions. She was doing it pretty easily. For her to be all out like that and earn a fig that she did, 
and to see what the girls behind her have come back to do. You know, the runner-up earned a 75 in that race. She came back and earned a 74. The fifth-place finisher did move up seven points. Sixth-place finisher was a next-out winner who moved up nine points. But, you know, is a is an 82 or an 83 going to get the job done in here? It's possible. She has tactical speed. I like that. I don't know. It was a merry-go-round. I'm just a little bit leery about Sister Luann. Having said that, she should be a big price in this spot. And if you like her, you're going to get rewarded. Skims, maybe she just needs firm turf, which I'm hopeful she's going to get on Friday. Her last two races, from a FIG standpoint, they were both good. They left me a little bit disappointed. You look at her firm turf races, though, I think the best races she's run down at Tampa and at Aqueduct last year as a two-year-old. Uh, that wonder again, she was forward when there was little pace, and she, I thought, was disappointing to finish third, not even get second. Uh, consumer spending, the winner, she came back and earned an 89 in her next start from the 88 she earned in the wonder again. Uh, My Risky Affair came back and earned an 81 from the 83 she earned in the stake race. You know, I mean, if Skim comes back and earns an 83 to an 85, she's there. I just don't know. Again, I, I was, I've been disappointed with the last couple efforts. Maybe it has everything to do with the turf condition. And if she gets real firm turf, maybe that's when she really struts her stuff. But Skims leaves me a little bit chilly. And last but certainly not least, the horse that I am most interested in, aside from Dolce Zell, is Spirit and Glory for Robert Falcone. Dylan Davis has the mount. First things first, we take a look at the figs. 78 buyer, doesn't look all that great. 91 not factoring in the pace from a time form U.S. standpoint. Certainly doesn't look great, right? But when you factor in that the fractions in this race were dawdling, this N1X at Belmont Park, and for this filly to kick the way that she did, the pace was so slow, in fact, that the 91 time form U.S. fig that she earned was upgraded to a 108 pace adjusted because there was no pace and for her to finish the way that she did. Now, if you look at that number, that arguably makes her the, the best horse in the race. And she's not going to be the favorite. Will she get the pace she needs? I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're going to be walking out there. I also like this note. Robert Falcone, past three years, turf, winner last out. Six for 27, 10 in the money with a 277 ROI. But when you add route to that filter, four for 15, seven in the money, 393 ROI. I think she has a lot of upside. Oh, by the way, the runner-up that day came back and improved her buyer speed figure seven points from a 77 to an 84. The third place finisher paired up, 76s. So if anything... The buyer, there's a scenario in which the next start, let's say, let's say Spirit and Glory does what Kinesi did, improves seven points. That 85 puts her right there. She should get more pace to run at, and maybe she kicked like a mule because there was no pace, but she absolutely blew the start. She was miles behind the field early on, but there were dawdling fractions, and I know the top three all rallied from off the pace. Maybe that's a bit of a red flag and that that pace wasn't quite as slow as it seems. But boy, I, I just, at the top of the lane, she was last. And she finished like a freight train. I think this filly's got a big chance, Spirit and Glory. So I'm torn between the nine Spirit and Glory 
and the five Dolce Zell. If I was playing multis, those would be the only two I would be using. From a win standpoint, I think Spirit and Glory will be a playable price. So that's where I'm going to lean primarily. Maybe I'll even try to get alive in a double to her. Same goes for Dolce Zell. Again, I kind of threw out that 3 to 1 range. Somewhere that feels about right for her of the two Chads. She's the one I prefer pretty pretty substantially over the other one. Eminent Victory, but I, I'm really interested in the outside runner here. Spirit and Glory, the 9. Dolce Zell, the 5. Those are the two that I'm most intrigued with in Friday's Lake George up at Saratoga. Inner turf, one mile for three-year-old fillies. Let me know your thoughts about the race, the complexion. What do you think about Koala Princess off the layoff? What do you think of Safi Joseph's runners? Am I not being kind enough to Al-Kahira? Let me know beneath the video player on YouTube what your thoughts are about this race and the Haskell. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Again, thank you to those of you that listen and watch on a weekly basis. It means a great deal to me. It means a great deal to everyone at In The Money Media. Uh, I, I'm always, I, I want to put out things that you, the listener and the viewer, want to hear or want to watch. Um, if this is too much handicapping, which it doesn't seem like, it seems like a lot of people prefer this. Um, it's nice when we get, I hate to say quality racing for Fridays and Thursdays and Wednesdays and things like that, but uh, during the year, I can continue to do more of that if you would like. It's just, it's very easy to do so this time of year when we get graded stakes on Fridays up at Saratoga and Del Mar will be opening up this week as well. So if people want to see more of that, I'm all ears. If you want more recaps and genuine proper recaps, I can certainly do that. I just know between the Redboard Rewind and there, there are many, many recaps that you can find out there. I'm happy to do it, but again, I know Spencer Luganbuehl does a fantastic job with that sort of thing. If you haven't listened to the Redboard Rewind, please do so. Uh, fantastic podcast. Uh, but I, again, I'm all ears. Whatever you want to hear more of, whatever you want to see more of, let me know beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. Please rate, review, subscribe, however you listen to this thing. Uh, make sure that bell icon is lit up. As always, Thursday, Horse Player Happy Hour. Myself, PTF. PTF is going to be down in New Jersey. At Monmouth, I will be from my hotel room in New Jersey because I'm supposed to land midday on, on Thursday and we'll get in there and, and chop up some more contest action. Uh, it's going to be full card Saratoga again. So those of you that played last week, please do so again. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody that's thinking about getting involved because as always, it goes to a good cause, helping Thoroughbred Aftercare. And you get a chance, two chances as a matter of fact, to win a Breeders' Cup betting challenge seat if you play along with the Horse Player Happy Hour Tour over on horseplayers.com. And again, thanks to our friends at the Breeders' Cup as well. That's going to do it for me. Uh, again, 5 o'clock Eastern CNBC on Saturday. The Haskell Stakes should be a dandy. Uh, please let me know what your thoughts are about that race and the feature in Saratoga on Friday beneath the video player on YouTube. I'll be back on Monday, but until then, best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. It's been episode 123 of the Matt Bernier Show.